Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. And guess what? We have a special guest co-host today because Ryan is out. The Slay God is out. Dr. James Simmons is filling in. Uh, who is this guy? Who let me in the room right now? Allowed <laughs> me to fill in. What's going on? We miss the Slay God already. Mm-hmm, we do. I'm sure you'll just be just as sassy with me. Uh, trust and believe. I might've gotten a special <laughs> message that was like, I need you to take over the sass. Don't let her get away with anything. So that is my job today. Yeah. And we appreciate you because you just came from the hospital. You're working. Yeah. Like quite literally left the ICU, <laughs> came home and here we are. That's We're right. Be, I'm super, yeah. super glad to be here. And I'm well, I, thankful to be here. Not only thankful to be able to practice and take mm-hmm. care of my patients, but also like be with you and chat with the listeners and do the show. It's great. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you and for all your hard work. Like you are a hero in our eyes, just to say, in my eyes. And so we're going to be talking more about what's happening, of course, with the vaccine, how influencers and celebs could be targeted for campaigns around it, and will it make a difference? That's coming up on the show. Plus, the new gaslighting is bright-siding, and how to figure out if you're the culprit or the victim of this. That's later on. Uh, But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell finally acknowledged Joe Biden as president-elect for the first time. (laughs) <laughs> Only 40, however many days later. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is absolutely un- unbelievably ridiculous. And uh, other Republicans were actually calling on him to do this before. And it's just now to, you know, he's just now doing this. And he still is only among a handful of Republicans who are actually acknowledging. Totally. Or calling Joe Biden president-elect. Yeah. And Trump still has yet to concede to Biden and is now spreading false allegations after the Electoral College vote. McConnell warned Republicans in his conference uh, not to object to the Electoral College outcome when Congress affirms Biden's victory on January 6th. Here he is responding to reporters today. Look, I I don't have any advice uh, to give the president on the subject. I said this morning for, for me, and I think on the basis of the way the, the system works, uh, the decision by the Electoral College yesterday was determined. And in more news of folks that you're waiting for uh, to congratulate Biden, Russian President Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Were we? 
Were we waiting for him? I mean, honestly. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, the joke was online. The memes were like, finally, daddy said it's happening. So it's happening. I mean, <laughs> do we think that there's honestly, do we think that there's a coincidence between Mitch McConnell and Vladimir Putin doing this on the same day or like within the same 24 hours? I don't know. Yeah. Also, Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador and Brazilian leader Jair Bolsonaro all congratulated Joe Biden on his victory in the election six weeks after the vote and after the Electoral College officially validated Biden's uh, win. This came from the Kremlin himself. Vladimir Putin wished the president-elect every success and expressed confidence that Russia and the U.S., which bear special responsibility for global security and stability, despite their differences, can truly contribute to solving many problems and challenges that the world is currently facing. I think this is a complete and total hot mess right now. I really am channeling the Slay God right now. I love it. I get <laughs> I get like free reign to be spicy. I exactly. do think it's pretty interesting that, the, you know, Jair Bolsonaro is right up there with Vladimir Putin and, the, you know, some other individuals who have sort of been like Team Trump the whole time. I think that there is absolutely no coincidence, and I am not yep. a conspiracy theorist, but there's no coincidence that these individuals are just now all within the same 24 hours of each other, finally acknowledging Joe Biden as the president-elect of the United States because they know their butts are on the line. Yeah, and it took the Electoral College vote. But let's move on to Pete Buttigieg. According to CNN, President-elect Joe Biden will nominate Buttigieg to be his transportation secretary. With this move, the former South Bend, Indiana mayor would be the first Senate-confirmed LGBTQ cabinet secretary. Yeah, it's also the first time the president-elect has called on one of his former Democratic presidential opponents to join his administration as a cabinet secretary and could earn Buttigieg the much-needed experience should he run for president again, which I'm sure it's going to happen. Uh, the role of transportation secretary is expected to play a central role in Biden's push for a bipartisan infrastructure package. Well, that, that's something that I think is really tremendous in terms of you can hear the sirens outside my window right now. They're all excited about Pete Buttigieg, too. Honestly, though, this is one of those few items where we think that Democrats and Republicans can come together. It's on rebuilding the infrastructure. And if there is a guy to do it, it's Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, this is exciting. Let's move on to the T-Report. We have a top story trending in entertainment right now. Lizzo is defending herself after receiving backlash for social media posts documenting a 10-day smoothie cleanse. So she posted footage to Instagram and TikTok on Monday of this diet cleanse that some said didn't match with the body positive image that the singer has and promoted dieting practices that could be potentially harmful. Here's her response. As I feel like as a big girl, people just expect if you are doing something for health, you're doing it for like a dramatic weight loss. And that is not the case. Um, in reality, November stressed me out. I drank a lot. I ate a lot of spicy things and things that fucked my stomach up. And I wanted to reverse it and get back to where I was. I'm so proud of myself. I'm proud of my results. My sleep has improved, my hydration, my inner peace, my mental stability. Like I feel and look like that bitch and I think like that's it I'm a big girl who did a smoothie detox so as we wrap things up James you're a health professional what's your take on this so, I mean, these smoothies, smoothie detoxes or whatever are really kind of controversial. And ultimately, they don't really, I think, do what most people think that they do. It actually tends to be much more of a mental thing. So if you need to do something that is within the realm of being healthy, but to reset your mind about your approach to food and your approach to overall health, I'm all for it. At this point, I feel like Lizzo's body, whether we think she's doing something body positive or not, we all need to stay off of Lizzo's body. 
it is her body. Let her do what she wants to do with it. She is a young, grown-ass woman. She will figure this out. Like, we need to back up off of her. Yep, I'm down with that. Now, coming up on the show, why the nation's top political leaders are raising ethical questions around whether or not the president and his administration should be at the top of the list for the COVID-19 vaccine. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. The distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine to those who need it most, but also the administration, is raising some major ethical questions. And joining us right now is Alice Olstein, who's a healthcare and transition reporter for Politico. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So is Trump and his administration looking to get the vaccine in this round? Like, why is this an issue considering aren't they frontline workers in some way? So they have a different category. The people who are necessary to keep our government functioning do qualify for this first round of vaccines. But what I dug into in my article is that they're they're torn between, one, wanting to, you know, ensure the continuity of government, ensure we don't have a total breakdown with people getting sick. Um, They also want to send a message to the rest of the country that the vaccine is safe by taking it themselves. But they don't want to look like they're cutting in line in front of healthcare workers, people in nursing homes, people who are getting sick and dying at really alarming rates around the country. And I think that these elected officials who, you know, are, are have a lot of privileges and protections that those other workers lack, um, they are afraid it would be a bad look for them to, you know, immediately uh, take advantage of their political position in order to secure the vaccine. Um, And so since my article went up, we did learn that uh, Vice President Mike Pence plans to get the vaccine by Friday. We still don't know about Trump or Biden or Kamala Harris. Yeah, considering though, and I mean, I know Biden has spoken out saying he's not going to cut the line, but he's pretty old. And you could say like, he's in a vulnerable place. The same with, you could say Trump, even though he's had it and Mm -hmm. nothing seemed to really happen. Uh, well, he had it and he was hospitalized. And so, um, no, they, they all say they do plan to get it. The good just question is when. And, you know, another issue some experts I talked to brought up is that while there is a lot of value in these political leaders getting the vaccine, telling everyone else to get it, saying, look, it's safe, I'm doing it. That That's good. However, getting all of the country clamoring for the vaccine right now may not be the most helpful thing because average people can't get it right now. The supply is extremely limited. Only healthcare workers and people in nursing homes are set to get it in the next few weeks until the country secures enough of a supply. The general population uh, is not eligible to get it. And there could be some frustrations around those shortages. Definitely. Considering also how divisive I think this country and government has been and the feeling like they haven't put citizens first. So I could see how that could go into that decision. Again, we're talking to Alice Olstein, healthcare and transition reporter for Politico. Now, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said, I will not skip the line. Uh, as soon as it's appropriate and recommended, he will take the vaccine. We should all lead by example. Take the vaccine and tell our constituents to take it as well, though. Uh, I guess, do you think this is going to create a divide between how Democrats approach this versus Republicans? So I think among top elected officials, less so. You know, we already saw Mitch McConnell today come out and say, look, I survived polio. I know that vaccines are really important and I plan to get the vaccine and I plan to tell everybody to get it. Um, And so you have that going on. However, in polling, 
Republicans, people who identify as Republican, are way more likely to say they won't get it or, or are not sure if they're going to get it or not than any other group of any political affiliation, any age group, any race, any job occupation, et cetera. This Kaiser poll that just came out, if folks want to check it out, um, found vaccine hesitancy among Republicans is um, pretty high. So uh, that is definitely an issue. And the hope is that you know, people like Mitch McConnell, people like Trump uh, will send a message to those groups. And the stakes are really high because if, you know, 70 to 80 percent of the country doesn't get a vaccine, we won't achieve herd immunity and we won't squash this virus. Yeah. Health officials are worried about a vaccine cliff. What does that mean? That means that we will burn through the amount that the government has already purchased and allocated um, which is just a few tens of millions. And then we will hit a cliff while we were waiting for more uh, to be developed. And luckily, you know, a second vaccine uh, is on its way to getting emergency authorization that could alleviate some of those supply issues. But we're in a global competition with the rest of the world. And these corporations that are developing the vaccine are selling it to other countries besides the U.S. And so the U.S., has secured an amount, but it's not enough for everybody. And there's ongoing negotiations about how much more they'll be able to get and when. Yeah. So how is Biden going to approach this come January? Is he just going to wait it out? Um, And could that become an issue considering his age and how vulnerable he is? So he does plan to take the vaccine. Um, He said he will defer to Tony Fauci, who he's asked to be his chief medical advisor and stay on in the government. Fauci said this morning in a TV interview that he's telling Biden that he should get it as soon as possible. That, you know, given that the vaccine comes in two doses, three weeks apart, he would have to get it pretty soon in order to be fully protected by the inauguration when he'll be around more people. Um, although a lot fewer people than a normal inauguration. It'll be a, a COVID inauguration uh, scaled, scaled back. Um, yeah, so I think I think this is going to happen. But, um, you know, these elected officials are facing this dilemma of not wanting to look like they're abusing their power and privilege to cut the line, but also wanting to be protected and send the message, uh, send a pro-vaccine message to their constituents. Uh, That was Alice Olstein, healthcare and transition reporter for Politico. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. Now coming up, the Supreme Court's latest pro-LGBTQ plus decision and what that says about this conservative-leaning SCOTUS. We'll be back in two minutes. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. The U.S. Supreme Court has decided that they won't hear a case from Indiana that could have undermined marriage equality. It's a win for the LGBTQ plus community. Here to share more is David Hackenfar from Pride Legal, a network of independent LGBT and LGBT friendly law firms throughout California operated in the heart of WeHo. Thanks again for being here. Thanks for having me. So tell us about this case. Why was it so relevant? Uh, it's a big case, and it's uh, if this decision surprised you in a few ways, you may not know as much about the current conservative majority on the court as you think you do. Uh, basically, the quick facts of the case are that in Indiana, Ashley and Ruby Henderson w- sued the state's health commissioner uh, for the county's refusal to list both of them as parents on the birth certificate of their daughter. Now, you know, going back to the marriage equality fight, there were hundreds and hundreds of rights and privileges 
that people that could get married had. One of them was being able to form a family. And that is a natural right that comes with being able to form a family, form a coupleship. So uh, the Supreme Court just basically said that the government does not have the right to discriminate with a, uh, a birth certificate. They, they don't have the right to discriminate, period, on, on that at all. It's part of the rights. It, it's, it's such a natural part of being a couple to have a family, to have one and two, doesn't matter what sex you are, what gender you are, and that's it. And they said, we're not even going to touch this. Does this make it so that others can't approach the Supreme Court or lower courts with these kind of cases now? Every county in the United States is now going to have to comply with this because the Supreme Court has basically acknowledged the decision. Yes. And it's important to make a distinction because we're still going to see some discrimination. And I'll tell you where we're going to see some of that discrimination. Okay. We're going to see some of that discrimination, whether you like it or not. In many jurisdictions, in many states, for example, you go back to the, the, the cake baker. Some states, that is allowed. Uh, for example, if you want to hire a band and the band doesn't feel like they want to perform at a gay marriage ceremony, the band has the right to do that. Um, so this is really saying, all right, you know, whether or not that dispute exists in that private realm, in the public realm, we are not the, the, um, we are not going to allow discrimination of that sort uh, to exist. Now again, we're talking to David Hakim Far from Pride Legal right now, and you mentioned this, saying like, "Oh, a lot of people were surprised that this conservative leaning court is making these decisions." But you mentioned that people should not be surprised. Why is that? Because I think that these justices don't look at themselves as being conservative or uh, liberal. Mm -hmm. I think what you see in a lot of these justices is uh, justices that believe in bigger government or less government, Gover uh, justices that believe in liberty versus tyranny. And rightfully so. I think that, and this was a 9-0 decision, they looked at this as government tyranny. They looked at, it, it's, it's, not even a, it's not even a question of, of, of gay marriage versus straight marriage. It's, a, it's liberty versus tyranny. And they looked at this and they said, you know what? We made marital equality. It's now the law of the land. The government has no right to touch on any of the rights that come through marriage equality. So they basically said the government has no right to trespass on that. It actually made government a lot smaller, which is a good thing in my opinion in my opinion. I think a lot of people were worried, obviously, with a Trump administration, but even with Biden now, there's still worry because the Supreme Court is, as we mentioned, it seems conservative leaning, whatever mm -hmm. that means. Seeing cases like this now either uh, being uh, repealed or they don't want to bring it, it, it into the court, does this sh show something positive for the community? Should they be more optimistic as to what's ahead? I think they should definitely be more optimistic. This was a big decision that came down today uh, because they decided they're not going to trample on the rights. And last week was also a very big decision that I think a lot of people are discounting because I think a lot of people thought that if Samuel Alito had heard the Texas versus few states case, then it would have uh, immediately triggered Trump's three justices to vote on Trump's side and Justice Thomas who there's speculation that he has a, an axe to grind against 
Joe Biden, who for giving him a lot of trouble and grief at his confirmation hearing. That didn't happen. So I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. They could look into it. Court packing is certainly something that could possibly happen. But I think that uh, people could pause and, uh, and, and, and I don't think that we need to be worried so much at the moment. But uh, these are certainly positive signs. All right. Well, David Hakim Farr, thank you so much for joining us for this. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, again, David is from Pride Legal. Coming up on the show, should we pay people to get vaccinated? Why that might or might not work. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. The first doses of the COVID-19 vaccine from Pfizer-BioNTech rolled out this past week. But recent studies indicate that many Americans do not plan to get a COVID-19 vaccine. Yikes. Uh, many people have suggested that the government should provide a monetary incentive for this COVID-19 vaccination. Uh, so Dr. James Simmons, of course, is joining us today, filling in for the sleigh god, Ryan Mitchell. Would that even make a difference? I mean, at the end of the day, if you tell certain people, I'm going to give you money, and they're not talking about chump chains either. If I'm going to give you a pretty significant amount of money to do something, people are going to take it, particularly in light of the fact that, oh, you know, in the middle of a now 11, 10 month long pandemic, people got one stimulus check of $1,200 plus maybe 600 bucks every other week or however that played out for a lot of folks. So I think if you do tell some folks, we're going to give you money for this and take it, I think some people would take it. However, I'm not a fan of it. Why? I think if you, I think it, there's already enough skepticism around the vaccine that mm-hmm. people will think if you have to pay me to take this, that there's something wrong with it. Yes. Isn't that interesting how that works psychologically? And there's, there's also a lot of people that don't need the money. So they're just going to say, okay, yeah, you're telling me to take this. I don't need this money. I mean, there are those people out there. Uh, one person said, uh, this guy, Robert Litton, who's an economist, said, it's like an adult version of the doctor handing out candy to children. <laughs> Do you believe that? Sure. There's like some... Uh- what uh, not Pavlovian, but right, like like dogs when they get treats, right? Same thing. Like, oh, I'm going to go to the doctor and I don't like it, but at least I'm going to get that sucker when I leave. I mean, listen, if this could be on the measure of a thousand or fifteen hundred bucks, which is what some economists have suggested that we we do for this, that's a significant amount of money. Like, let's not get it twisted. I think already, though, to my previous point, there are so many people are suspicious of this vaccine. And there's a lot of questions that I think we as medical and public health providers have just not been good about. We've tried to be good about getting the information out there, but there's so much misinformation now with, you know, social media and everything going on that I think this would only make it that much worse. I think rather than incent people to go get the vaccine because they're going to get paid, I think it would actually generate more suspicion, more conspiracy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, people have been paid participants in these trials, like $25 to $1,000, which I even think is pretty small for putting themselves out there uh, to risk their lives, possibly. But are there other versions of this for other scenarios, like other vaccines in the past, or I guess, for donors, they get paid? Yeah, I mean, there there are certain scenarios where there needs to be some sort of financial compensation because there is a significant impact to your livelihood or your ability to make money or you're out of work for a long time with like donation, things like that. Uh, in this situation, though, you know, in terms of side effects, and I think it's really important that we talk about the difference between side effects and adverse reactions, and that's mm. maybe a different conversation. Interesting. But we, we know the side effects from this. 
are uncomfortable, particularly after the second dose, you're probably going to have to call into work the next day. And that's okay. We actually want your body to react that way. It means the vaccine's working and it means your body's going to be prepared for it. I'm still at the end of the day, though, um, while kind of a novel idea, and I'm glad we're thinking outside of the box to try to get as many people to take this vaccine as possible. I'm definitely not a fan of paying them. Do you have uh, your own clients at the hospital right now, our patients, I mean, asking you these questions? And what are you saying to them? A lot of people are asking about the vaccine, uh, period. Patients, um, staff, of course, you know, where yeah. the, the vaccine is just hitting now here and in, in <clears throat> actually all 50 states have the vaccine now. Um, and so I'm set to get it very soon. Lots of questions from staff and patients, and I'm excited to share with the world when I get it. Yeah. And also we're going to be talking more about that, how that distribution is working at the hospital level. So stay tuned for that conversation in a bit with Dr. James Simmons. But first, coming up next on What's Trending This Hour, an L.A. gay landmark could be closing down because of the pandemic. More on how you can help next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Coming up on the show, how BDSM can help you with your boredom and uncertainty during the pandemic. Plus, more on the new term, bright-siding. That's later in the show. But first, let's talk about this. Channel Q presents Pop Goes Christmas. Celebrate the holidays with us this Saturday, December 20th, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. We've got our holiday music special. Let me tell you, the guests are amazing. Musical performances from Pop Diva Ava Max. Mm. Also, special guest appearances. Yeah. Mariah Carey. They'll all be there. You can listen right here on your favorite Channel Q station. Simply download the radio.com app or ask your smart speaker to play Channel Q. It's that easy. Again, that's this Saturday, December 20th, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll see you there. I mean, what else are you doing? And for all the details, head on over to wearechannelq.com and follow us everywhere on social media at wearechannelq. Q. How fun is that, Dr. James? I mean, hello, all of the divas, the divas, the divas, the divas. Yes. Yes. Yes, queen. And the voice you're hearing (laughs) is Dr. James Simmons, who's filling in for Ryan Mitchell, aka the Slay God today. Let's dive right into what's trending this hour, though. We spoke about how some political officials like Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer said he would not cut in line to get the vaccine early. Well, VP Mike Pence, however, has spoken out about how he will get the COVID-19 vaccine pretty much uh, like any day now. I, I look forward in the days ahead uh, to uh, to receiving the vaccine myself and do so without hesitation. And by the way, he said that while wearing a mask. <laughs> Good for you, Mike Pence. Finally, I I won't say finally, he's sort of off and on wore masks even before Trump did. But it's really funny now how all of a sudden, because it's popular to wear a mask and it's more and more Americans are starting to want to take the vaccine that, uh, you know, Mike Pence is like, oh, uh, yeah, I'll take the vaccine. I will say that it is crucial that the leadership of our country from a national security standpoint stay intact and not sick. And so I I, I actually think that regardless of political ideologies or whatever, that the leadership of our country, like numbers one, two, and three, should be at the top of the list of getting vaccinated. I think they're pretty uh, essential, if you will. 
Yeah, I'm not arguing with you on that one. Well, let's move on to what's happening in Georgia right now. Fresh off the Electoral College affirming his victory, Biden campaigned alongside John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock as they tried to unseat Republican Senators David Perdue and Kelly Leffler in the January 5th runoff elections that everyone is talking about, and that will determine which party controls the Senate. This is a big one. The president-elect who won Georgia in November warned that Republican victories would leave him to face the kind of GOP obstacle that stopped former President Barack Obama for most of his two terms from getting anything done. Here's what he had to share with all his uh, fans and voters at the rally. Well, we've got a lot of work to do, and I plan to get to work right away doing it. I need two senators from this state. I want to get something done. Not two senators who are just going to get in the way. Because look, getting nothing done just hurts Georgia. Look at what's happening right now in the Congress. The United States Senate should have passed the coronavirus and economic relief package months ago. People are hurting. Millions out of work. Small businesses closing. People are struggling to pay their rent, worried that after Christmas they'll be thrown out before New Year's. Concerned about paying their mortgage, over 10 million. Putting food on the table has become a Herculean task for so many. And what's the United States Senate doing? Nothing. And early voting has currently begun in Georgia, and the election is three weeks away. And now let's move on to L.A., an iconic L.A. gay nightlife venue, Akbar, is on the brink of shutting down for oh, good. No, no, say it isn't so. Yeah, COVID-19 has forced the bar uh, to shutter in March, and it hasn't been able to reopen since, as we all know. I mean, there's shutdowns everywhere here right now. Owners Peter Alexander and Scott Craig, they have started a GoFundMe to raise $150,000 to keep the bar open. And they've actually just raised over that. So that's a good thing. Awesome. That but they, fantastic. yeah, but they've reported that the building's landlord has been unwilling to work with them during the lockdown to suspend or pay reduced rent. How much does that suck? Oh, well, no, you know, I feel for some of these landlords too, because some of these landlords are actually tenants themselves, right? Of other things. So ultimately, yeah. you know, there needs to be uh, provisions maybe on a higher level, on a government level, on a county level that say like, hey, if you are one of these facilities really impacted by this and you can't pay your rent, there's a moratorium on this until March or April or whatever, right? So that these landlords, which maybe aren't always bad guys, don't get caught in this in a middle situation like this. And what protects these historic legacy spots too, right? I mean, yeah. I, I, this is what creates a city and a community, very, so we can't forget about those so. places. And Akbar was born out of the tragedy of the AIDS crisis. That's from uh, the owners. And the thought of it being wiped out during the crisis is too hard to imagine. So go check out Akbar. Go support their GoFundMe page. And finally, uh, let's wrap this up with the Tea Report. Uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry are going to host and produce exclusive podcasts on Spotify. Hello. <laughs> really? Uh, I mean, is this... This is where my mind went. Did they leave royalty and everything that goes with it, the good and the bad, to become <laughs> podcast producers? Like, was this was this their hot take? They're like, we are leaving. We're no longer going to be royals because we want to go work for Spotify and produce podcasts. Right? I will say, if their deal is anywhere as lucrative as the Obamas was with Netflix, might have been worth it. 
I mean, they want financial independence from the royals. So maybe they're just going to like sign a bunch of deals, make their own money. I mean, and people want to listen to them. So they have this new production company called Archwell Audio. So there you go. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry in the podcast game competing with all of us. I wonder who's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Come on. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. All right. Uh, coming up on the show, how influencers are being recruited to promote the COVID-19 vaccine. Will it make a difference? Will it work? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. When COVID-19 began and public health officials wanted to promote and implement guidelines, including social distancing, hand washing and masks, influencers and celebs were hired to spread the word. Now, when it comes to the vaccine, it looks like the same strategy is going to be put into effect. But will it work this time around? Rebecca Highwell is back with us. She's a reporter for Recode. Thanks for being here again. Thanks for having me. So we saw celebrity PSAs fail over the summer. Are these campaigns going to do any better? We'll obviously have to see, and a lot of this is still in the early works, but one example people keep pointing to is in the 1950s, Elvis Presley took the polio vaccine on live television, and this was pretty influential. And I think the hope is to kind of have something that really gets people enthusiastic about going to get vaccinated. But do you think that was obviously a different time? Uh, Now, there is a lot of skepticism about how celebrities and influencers share information, including the possibility of misinformation. So how will we approach this differently? I think the hope is that responsible, you know, nonprofits and campaigns will be in charge of organizing these efforts so that we don't run into that problem. So if you know, in three months, we have a celebrity posting about getting vaccinated, I think it'll look something like, hey, like, I just got vaccinated, visit your CDC website for guidance, and it'll be pretty um, focused on directing you to accurate public health information. Yeah, can you explain how this works? Because I even, and this sounds weird, like, I guess I'm considered a bit of an influencer, Um, But I was getting even briefs from agencies representing the World Health Organization and directly from the Ad Council, who I I know the person that works on talent partnerships. Can you explain how this typically works and what they send to talents when these things are put out? I think the idea is to make sure that people who have megaphones are armed with the right information before they start talking on social media. So, you know, you're saying the right thing. Even, you know, Kim Kardashian had a meeting with Dr. Fauci and a bunch of other celebrities at the beginning of the pandemic for this exact purpose. So obviously it depends on the situation and depends on whatever organization is running that campaign, but they want you to have the right information so you don't end up backtracking later. Yeah, definitely. What about um, influencers that are possibly younger? They aren't vulnerable. They don't have pre-existing conditions. Do you think this could backfire in terms of them saying, I'm going to get the vaccine before possibly someone else that needs it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, who is able to get the vaccine first is something that public health authorities will have to figure out. And there is, you know, a concern about people kind of bragging about early access. It doesn't seem like celebrities will be getting any kind of early access to a vaccine yet. But we did see that with testing. We saw, you know, celebrities being like, I'm so glad I tested negative. And it was like, you know, there are lots of people in this country who can't get a test. So I think, you know, that's definitely a concern as well. Again, we're talking to Rebecca Howell, who's a reporter for Recode. In your reporting about this, what was most surprising? I think it just struck me that this is something that the World Health Organization is thinking about. You know, we've had months 
to get ready for a vaccine. And at the same time, we've had months to get ready for the communication for that vaccine. People are really hesitant about this because it has been a pretty short process compared to other vaccine development. And it's a huge communications challenge. And I think it's just fascinating to see all the thinking that's gone into this thus far. Oh yeah, definitely. Is there a TikTok strategy? It seems like everyone thinks TikTok will save the world or something. It's probably happening already. I I couldn't tell you right now, but I'm sure it's happening. And so I I guess, how are they going to uh, do this? Are are people going to be documented or on camera getting their vaccines? Like we saw Obama, obviously, and Clinton and Bush come out saying, we'll get this on camera. Is this what we're going to see pretty much? We certainly saw it with COVID testing. There was that video of Kristen Chenoweth uh, getting COVID tested on, I think, Facebook Live. And I actually talked to someone at the American Influencer Council, which is sort of like a, a trade organization that focuses on influencers. And she's one of the women I spoke to and her partner said they're also going to be vaccinated on Instagram Live when they're able to. So I think that will certainly happen. On the other side of things, what are the concerns from influencers and celebs that you spoke to? Yeah, I mean, I think there are certainly going to be influencers who are going to be cautious, might feel like it's a little bit political. I mean, there's, you know, I would say it's not political, but I think there's some concern about exposing themselves to the anti-vax community online and misinformation and just getting pretty attacked. One YouTube creator who I spoke to who focuses on medical issues basically said, you know, if I post about vaccines, I will get attacked. People will mention my children and it gets very personal. And I think that's a concern that some people have. Wow. All right. Well, Rebecca Howell, reporter for Recode, thank you so much for joining us for this. Thanks for having me. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Bright siding is a new term being thrown around. It's a subcategory of gaslighting. Uh, and back with us is Dr. James Simmons, who's filling in for Ryan, a.k.a. the Slay God today. Thanks again for being here, hanging out with us. Thank you so much for having me. I very, very, I much appreciate it. And everything is perfect and positive and wonderful in the world, Shira, regardless of everything of course that's going on. You have to find the bright side. Well, exactly. So this is what we're talking about. Uh, but first, I think we need to... Um, explain or have a clear definition about Mm. gaslighting, because I feel like that has been thrown around as well. And for us to understand bright siding, we need to get gaslighting. A form of emotional abuse that's seen in abusive relationships is where it originally came from. So like it's the act of manipulating, manipulating, manipulating a person by forcing them to question their thoughts, memories, and the events occurring around them. Uh Yeah, but can you, all right, so if you're calling out someone else for gaslighting you, could you be gaslighting them? (laughs) You could be. I mean, it could be a vicious circle of gaslighting, (laughs) right? It could just be like, are you gaslighting me or are you gaslighting me? Am I gaslighting you? But honestly, it is, It is. you know, in sort of the like licensed clinical social work and psychotherapy world, like Mm -hmm. this is 100% one of the ways that abusers, particularly emotional abusers, keep the people that they are abusing sort of in check and continue to abuse them. And so that individuals may 
initially realize I'm being abused or I'm being taken advantage of, or I'm being taken advantage of financially or my health or whatever. But then over time, they stop actually believing that. And they quite literally don't believe the things that are happening to them because someone in a position of power in their life continues to tell them that those things are actually not real. Okay. So let's get into bright siding because it's this phenomena where someone insists that no matter your situation, what's happening, you look for some kind of positive, which is kind of like how you started this. Has this happened to you, Dr. James? Have you been the bright sider? Absolutely. 100%. I think yeah, there's, I think we, we all get in this place. You know, I, I will go, go back to sort of being the fat, queer, black kid. Often my defense mechanism uh, was to like be the, almost the Chris Farley, like make everybody laugh and make sure that everybody liked me. Mm-hmm. And so one of those things was, I was like, I can always find the bright side of something, right? Like I'm always going to be a happy, positive person for people to be around. I'm never going to be negative. I'm never going to say anything bad about anything. And I think what ends up happening is you just, you're, you're out of completely out of touch with reality and you're not acknowledging what's really going on in people. Like you're not being a real friend or a real colleague. You're just giving them a load of BS. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've definitely been that person for others and also for myself because it can be uncomfortable to face the facts and really feel into your negativity right? But sometimes you got to feel it. You got to own it and feel it. And that's how you get to that other side. And in many ways, it's, I feel like this is connected to spiritual bypassing or even what we talked about yesterday, which was this idea of spiritual burnout, where it's like you're constantly mm-hmm. trying to find a fix to yourself or like there's this other side to it instead of just being and just kind of um, being clear about the reality of the situation in order to find an actual uh, change and an action that can help you move forward. Yep, very much so. It's I think it's a just it's just a different coin, a different side of the coin of avoidance tactics, right? And you said something there that I think was really interesting about being. So many people have such a hard time just being. Just be where you are. You don't you don't have to be planning for something. You don't have to be trying to fix something. You don't have to be trying to learn a new language. You don't have to try to be trying to not be bright-siding someone. You don't have to be getting ready to work out or cooking or like, follow, just be, just be where you are. And sometimes being where you are is not always the most pleasant place. And mm. that's scary. And so people avoid it. Yeah. All right. So something to think about next time you try to bright-side someone or someone tries to bright-side you. Call them out for what it is. <laughs> no matter what, Shira, everything's going to be okay. It's perfectly positive and wonderful. There's always something good coming out of everything. Well, someone who's definitely not bright-siding us, California Governor Gavin Newsom, who has a dire message to the state as the pandemic death cases rise. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. We are back and Dr. James Simmons is with us today filling in for Ryan. Thanks again for being here. We love having you on. Thank you for having me. I love being here. Yes, we love a professional doctor. All right, coming up, (laughs) speaking of which, you're in the trenches there, and we're going to be getting your first-person perspective on how hospitals are handling the COVID-19 vaccine distribution because you're getting the vaccine very soon. Uh, Very soon. And there might be some surprising things about how the vaccine is being distributed and to whom uh, that you might not have thought about. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. All right. Plus, the Schitt's Creek holiday supercut you need to hear Stay tuned for that too, because it's great. Okay, I had to throw that in. Um, okay, I want to remind you about a way to celebrate Christmas without the holidays. It's Channel Q Presents Pop Goes Christmas. Tune in this Sunday, December 20th, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, our holiday music special. We have amazing performances from Pop Diva, Ava Max. Why don't we? And special guest appearances and interviews with, okay, the one and only Christmas Diva, 
queen, Mariah Carey. Come on. All we want for Christmas is Mariah Carey. Exactly. Sam Smith, Miley Cyrus, Shawn Mendes, BB Rexa, and Dua Lipa. So much more. Listen right here on Channel Q and of course on the radio.com app. Use your smart speaker and play Channel Q. Pop Goes Christmas is made possible by our friends at Atlantic Records. For more details, go to wearechannelq.com. And now let's get into some what's trending this hour, shall we? Oh, please. I love what's trending. Yes. California Governor Gavin Newsom spoke out today and shared this very sobering message. We just had to order 5,000 additional body bags they just purchased for the state. And we just distribute them down to San Diego, Los Angeles, and your counties. Uh, That should be sobering. I don't say that, you know, I, I don't want people to run with that. I don't want people to scare folks. But but this is a deadly disease and we need to be mindful of where we are in this current journey together to the vaccine. We are not at the finish line. You know, some might say this is fear mongering or maybe just not realize the reality of the situation because it hasn't impacted them. What's it going to take, Dr. James? Well, I, this is a really difficult conversation because I think we get into this place where, you know, someone made this uh, equation the other day and it kind of made sense where it, like at the abstinence policy when it came to sex ed and, uh, you know, wearing condoms didn't work, right? The just say no to drugs didn't work. That maybe harm reduction was actually sort of the the stance that we maybe should have taken with this the entire time. But this happened so quickly and and so intensely that I don't think that public health experts and political experts and you know politicians had a chance to really think through what the reaction is. And so what's happened from the very beginning of this is it's this like all or nothing, like shut down or don't shut down. And you either believe COVID or you don't, or it's you know, it's some becomes such a political thing. However, All of that being said, I'm not sure that Gavin Newsom said this about the body bags because he's trying to fear monger people. I mean, people are turning this into he's saying this so that he can keep small businesses closed because it's real. This is real. Yeah. Like he must have his hands in the pocket of big business and he's trying to destroy capitalism and all this like crap. No, this is real from someone who looked. I literally had someone unfortunately die earlier this morning when I was at the hospital of COVID. Like this is real. And when people die, they need body bags. And that's a really unfortunate thing. And it's not fear mongering. It's, it's the reality. And unfortunately with the great news of the vaccine, we are also at the absolute worst time in terms of number of cases and number of deaths of COVID than we ever have been. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that and for your uh, vulnerability there. It's a lot. Um, now, finally, as the Friday deadline near, uh, nears for Congress to make a decision on a federal budget and COVID package, it seems like Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is committing to have something for Americans before the end of the year. Number one, we're not leaving here without a COVID package. It's not going to happen. We're going to stay here until we get a COVID package no longer, no, long, <clears throat> no matter how long. Uh, it takes. So there you go. He said it. We'll see if it happens. Uh, but now let's get into the T report. Let's mix this up right now. Mm-hmm. A Whitney Houston biopic is coming. <gasps> yes. Love it. Now, wait, I'm a, I get in trouble for this. Is it biopic or is it biopic? <sighs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> uh, and uh, tomato, tomato. News is out that BAFTA winner and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker actress Naomi Aki has won the role of Whitney Houston. Yeah. Because you know this, I sort of feel for her though, because you know, no matter who plays Whitney, it's never going to be right. And this is, this is coming from a Whitney stan, right? Like my all-time diva 
is Whitney Houston. So other, unless Whitney Houston like graced her with, graced us with her like, you know, posthumous presence. I feel like no one's really going to do Whitney justice, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try to give Naomi Aki a, a, the opportunity to do right by Whitney. Oh yeah. This is a huge gig. The movie is going to be called, I want to dance with somebody. It's going to be directed by Stella McGee. Who's by the way, a fellow Canadian. Mm-hmm. And has done movies like The Photograph, The Weekend, Gene of the Joneses, Everything, Everything. I mean, some movies, but not, this is a pretty big break for her. Uh, and yeah. also, yeah, and she's a, a, a black director, obviously a female. Uh, so good on her for getting this. This is huge. Now, they said in terms of casting Naomi Aki, they said, we spent the better part of the last year in an exhaustive search for an actress who could embody Whitney Houston. And I'm sure that's true. Mm-hmm. Naomi Aki impressed us at every stage of the process. I was moved by her ability to capture the stage presence of a global icon while bringing humanity to her interior life. Ooh. And guess what? How this is different is they got the blessing of the Houston estate. Wow. Because, you know, there's been so many, you know, documentaries and things done about Whitney in the past that did, that did not get yep. the blessing of the Houston estate as well. You know, I think that the the dichotomy here of who Whitney Houston was in terms of her stage presence, I love that they talk about that, but also the internal conflicts that are going on. Someone who can carry both of those in a really big budget sort of biopic um it means that she's really you know the right person for this and i am super super excited for it i wish it was coming out tomorrow i know everyone's gonna want to see this one uh but let's move on after this how hospitals are handling covid19 vaccine distribution dr james simmons is sharing what he's seeing on the ground there next let's go there with shira and ryan the new channel q With hospitals, ICUs, and medical units overwhelmed by the surge in coronavirus cases, hospitalizations, and COVID-related deaths, the top medical experts out there are facing a pretty critical question. How do we get our own workforces vaccinated? And back with us is my lovely fill-in guest co-host today and also a medical professional, Dr. James Simmons. Well, I was going to say, who is that? Who do you have that's lovely and a medical professional? I mean, you fit the bill. You (laughs) have the resume. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah. So let's get into this. Like, when are you getting a vaccine? You're on the front lines. Great question. I have been told that it is happening this week. Oh. So could be as early as tomorrow, uh, maybe Friday, uh, last last resort sort of this weekend, but I, I work actually work at two different facilities and at both facilities, I am um, on the front lines. As you people say, I like to think of it more as on the last resort um, <laughs> that you don't want mm-hmm. to meet me in the hospital. It means you're sick. Uh, so yes, me and, and many of my colleagues are getting these. And there, there has been a pretty coordinated response that might seem a little bit uh, disheveled at first, but this has happened so fast, but there, there are great logistical processes already in place. There's a great public health response already in place that are directing hospitals and up from there, county level public health departments, city level public health departments up to the state level. And so what's happening is that these, these vaccines have now been distributed to all 50 states. Each individual state and then counties within those states, those public health departments kind of have their own plan and process. What they definitely want to do, so like here in LA County, for instance, there are larger hospitals that are going to be distribution centers because the big issue with this, if you'll remember, it requires to be super chilled. Well, not all small hospitals have these super coolers. 
but some of the bigger hospitals do. So like in LA County, they're using some of the very large academic institutions that have these super freezers to store the vaccine. And then they're distributing it from there to the smaller hospitals where each of those smaller hospitals have determined the people who are on the front lines in those hospitals who will receive the vaccine first. Yeah, I, I mean, it seems like they have it figured out, but I'm assuming there's a lot of gaps or cracks in the system. And and what are those and what are you looking out for, like the flags right now? There there are some some gaps and cracks for sure. There's also individuals who, you know, this this vaccine is not necessarily going to be mandatory uh, in most places. So and in most facilities. And and I think that's okay. Um, so you know, you sort of have to work with the, the individuals who work on the front lines who may not actually want the vaccine. There's also some other really interesting things that we're going to look out for. The side effects of this vaccine are very well documented, particularly after the second dose. So what a lot of facilities are doing is saying we're not going to inoculate more than 25% of any one unit at a time because most people are going to have to call into work the next day and not feel very good. Well, you can't knock out a whole unit, right? You got to have people there. Mm -hmm. So they're going to kind of go, you know, there's an A group and then a B group, et cetera. It's also really interesting. I think people don't think about this enough. There are more than just medical and nursing professionals who are involved in direct patient care and who are at high risk for exposure to COVID. So individuals who are on the environmental services teams who clean the rooms, the maintenance individuals, the nutrition and dietary people who deliver food, things like that. There are so many different people involved in a hospital system that mm-hmm. are at high risk that I'm I'm really glad to hear that most hospital systems are trying to include those individuals as well. It's not just the nurses and doctors, but everyone's who's at high risk of COVID. Yeah, definitely. You're bringing up a good point. Again, you're hearing from my fill-in co-host today and a media professional himself, media, medical, and media professional. <laughs> and uh, Sure, I'll take it all. All of the above. Very Dr. Good, James <laughs> Simmons right now. I mean, this is fascinating stuff, but I mean, you have a partner. I mean, he he's not going to necessarily get it anytime soon. How does that impact things on the home front when you have uh, the medical professionals getting it, but then at home, their whole families aren't yet? Yeah, it's it's really, you know, kind of a challenging situation because we as medical professionals are always, we're so worried about getting this at work and then bringing it home. There has been some kind of low-level grumblings and talks of maybe individuals who are high risk, who really are working on those front lines at the bedside of COVID patients, maybe we should consider their families as well. At this point, we just don't have enough doses of vaccine to do this. Now, with the Moderna announcement today, you know that the FDA gave emergency use authorization to Moderna's vaccine as well. There's actually going to be 6 million more doses coming out. Um, So we could have, you know, more than 20 to 30 million doses of this vaccine by the end of the year between the two. Um, So, I mean, vaccine is coming, but I think at this point, better vaccinate the people than you can than actually do what we think might be the best situation, which is to vaccinate all the frontline and essential workers and their family. We just don't have enough vaccine for that now. And how quickly can a vaccine change, say, if the virus mutates or if they're seeing that it's not working at a mass scale? So the the way that this particular these two particular vaccines, so the Pfizer and the Moderna ones that work with the mRNA they're certainly not impervious to uh, mutations at all. You know, of course, they're not impervious to it. But the way that the vaccine is constructed and the technology that we use makes it less likely that any mutations are going to cause the vaccine to sort of be null and void. I do, however, think that the antibody response that was built up because of this vaccine, it's still unproven how long that's going to last. 
my guess, if I were a betting person, that this vaccine would start to become probably an annual thing, kind of like the flu shot. All right. So you're feeling good about it as a doctor getting it very soon. 100%. Bottom line, like I keep telling folks, I promise you, the risks of getting COVID are way worse than the risks associated with getting this vaccine. I promise you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. We're wrapping up the shows we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. I was going to say, someone (laughs) needs to say Yes, Queen because Ryan isn't here and Dr. James Simmons is filling in for him. So you... Yes, queen. Exactly. You got to do it. It was <laughs> right, a good right. try. Thank you. Uh, thank you. That was horrible. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> this one goes to Caitlin Gooch. She's known as the black cowgirl on Twitter. So oh, listen up. Yeah, this is awesome. She's the founder of Saddle Up and Read. And she literally saddles up onto one of her family's horses and visits elementary schools, libraries, and youth groups to encourage them to read. Oh, is that? That yeah. is awesome. She has a nonprofit out of Wendell, North Carolina, and she also organizes book drives and school-wide reading competitions. She's only 28, and she says she was inspired by the state's abysmal child literacy rates, which, by the way, are um, this. Only 36% of fourth graders in the state read at a proficient or higher level. Whoa. I mean, this is, I feel like literacy is something that we don't talk about a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. but you know, I actually experienced it in the hospital. Like sometimes there, you actually have to assess whether or not a patient can read their discharge instructions before they go. And then there are a surprising number of people and they're not always older people either who you like, you have to give auditory instructions to and, and you have to give the paper instructions to someone else because they can't read. Mm, yeah, that's unfortunate. So she's doing a great work with a lot of the youth there. And here's actually one of the young readers in her program. Thank you for the people who gave us these three books for Saddle Up and Read. Saddle Up and Read is where we, we use the horses to encourage kids to read more books. So there you go. She also co-hosts a podcast about Black equestrianship and recently released a Color and Learn Black Equestrian color book featuring 12 Black trailblazers. So she gets Caitlin Gooch and Saddle Up and Read, our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yaz Queen. Getting used (laughs) to doing it. You're nailing it. (laughs) Horrible. Oh my gosh. Please drag me for trying to sound like Ryan, okay? No. Well, Dr. James Simmons, it's been a pleasure having you on our show today. And you have some cool stuff coming up on Channel Q. Yeah, it has been a pleasure uh, having, uh, it's been a pleasure having me here. (laughs) It has been a pleasure being here, Sarah. Thank you so much for allowing me and uh, let's go there listeners. Thank you for allowing me to grace your earwaves for a little while. And yes, I have a weekly show on Channel Q now. It actually premiered last week. uh, So you can hear it on Fridays right after the morning beat at 11 a.m. It's two hours, 11 a.m. Nope, 10 a.m. There we go. 10 a.m. right <laughs> yeah. after the morning beat. You can hear it for two hours. Uh, sometimes some celebrity interviews, sometimes a lot of just me. You may or may not hear our friend Allie Johnson come on sometimes as well. Okay, It's like a throwback to drop the subject. And this week, we're doing a really, really deep dive into vaccines. Obviously, vaccines is, is like the number one story this week, but we're going to have some special guests who are going to help us really break down what the mRNA vaccine really means, when folks think they can get it, and of course, answering all of your questions. Get at me at Ask the NP, and I'll answer your questions this Friday. Oh, I love that. Congratulations to you. You deserve it. Thank you so much, Sure, Appreciate it. 
Uh, and guess what? Dr. James, it, maybe as a guest tomorrow, you'll be back. But Ryan is back with me tomorrow <laughs> on the show. Uh, and we're going to be talking about why America's middle class doesn't really exist. And also breaking down the difference between presence versus representation of the LGBTQ community in the media. That's on tomorrow's show. As always, we are live here for you on Channel Q, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern weekdays. You can always catch up on our shows and our podcast. All you have to do is go to the radio.com app and search Let's Go There, as well as wherever podcasts are available. We are sending you love and light and stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this. Let's Go There with Shira Lazar and Ryan Mitchell on Channel Q. On the next show, why America's middle class doesn't really exist. Plus, we're breaking down the difference between presence versus representation of the LGBTQ community in the media. Listen live weekdays, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Channel Q or on your own time with the Let's Go There podcast on the Radio.com app.